personal finance addiction. I know, like you, I never would have thought of this as a thing. Today, we'll be talking to Michelle Balbrow about her own personal experience with this. Are you tired of the traditional money advice? Me too. Bienvenida. Welcome to the Her Money Matters podcast. Join me each week for down-to-earth money conversations that will leave you with more confidence and inspiration to help you take control of your money. And you will probably learn some Spanish along the way too. Lista? You ready? Empecemos with. Let's get started. Hey there, it's your host, Jen Hemphill here, and I have to tell you something, you have absolutely made my day. I know there are plenty of other shows, other podcasts to listen to, and you took time out of your busy schedule to stop what you're doing. Okay, you may be walking around or doing the dishes, or you may be at the gym, but you're taking the time and effort to listen to this episode, and it means the absolute world to me. So thank you for that. We have an interesting topic for this episode, and it's personal finance addiction. I'm sure you have heard the saying, too much of anything is a bad thing. And this definitely does not exclude your personal finances. Personal finance addiction, honestly, would not have crossed my mind had it not been for today's guest sending me an email. In today's episode, you're going to learn what personal finance addiction is and the two key signs that says you're in trouble. You will learn what she realized about her finances after a relapse in cancer. And you're also going to learn one question to ask yourself when you find yourself going too extreme. Let me share with you a little bit about Michelle Bobrell. She is the founder and personal finance strategist behind the Holistic Wallet and is here to lighten up your relationship with your money. Having gone from shopaholic to personal finance addict, Michelle now focuses on money psychology to integrate healthy and balanced financial habits into our lives. She's out to prove that right brain creatives can manage their money just as well as left brain nerds. Vamos a conocerla. Let's go meet her. Welcome, Michelle Bobrow, to the Her Money Matters podcast. I'm so really excited to connect with you and learn more about you. Oh, awesome. I'm so excited to be here. Well, I know uh, before uh, we started recording, we were chatting about what you called a personal finance addiction. So I'm really, really, really excited to hear about what you know, what you mean by that, what, how that came about. But before we dig into that, I'd love to get to know you and your money story, what, how you grew up around money, what you saw, what you experienced, all of that. So let's start with that. Okay. So my parents, I, so I had, I lived in um, Queens, New York, which the cost of living was kind of high, I guess. And my parents were like middle class. And I always had everything that I needed, whether it's school clothes and lunches. And I don't remember like not having anything that I wanted. And as I grew up, you know, we didn't really talk about money, but it was like a stress around money, but it just wasn't like spoken about. 
And by the time I was graduating high school, which is, I guess, when we all started paying attention to money because we're adults now and, you know, right. and we have like prom and going out with our friends like independently and, and there's eating out and, and that kind of stuff. So you you have I, I don't know where my money came from, but I had money somehow, whether it was like <laughs> from birthdays or the holidays. And I didn't budget it, but like I knew how much I had and I didn't have a credit card. So like all I had was the cash that I had. And when I really started interacting more with money was like when it came to going to college and uh, taking out student loans. And I remember this is like when I learned about debt, where my mother had said to me, like, don't worry about the student loans. You just pay like it's income based, like you just pay what you can afford, like when you graduate. So I'm like, oh, cool. Like, let me go wherever I want, because (laughs) it doesn't matter. Like, I don't have to worry about the payment for another four years. And luckily, like I wound up transferring, I I wound up going to a state school. And I only graduated with $30,000 in student loan debt. But um, I know it could have been a lot worse if I didn't make that change. And that was like kind of something when my student loans came due. And I was I had to you know start making those payments. And it wasn't like even if it was income based, like those payments were not as low as I was expecting them to be. <laughs> and I was like, really, you know, caught off guard. And then that kind of like made me question everything I had kind of picked up over the last, you know, 22 years. So at that time, so you, you had to start paying those student uh, loan debts and it wasn't what you expected. It wasn't what your mom said, oh, you only pay based on uh, your income. So what did you do then? What, what's next? Well, I was working part-time at a bank while I was in college and I, I wasn't going to school for finance. I went for like women's studies and sociology. I was going for like, I think by the time I got full-time at this job, like I was pursuing a master's in urban planning, like totally not related to finance. I basically pursued the master's to avoid paying my student loans because once you know, when you're an active student, a full-time student, you don't have you can keep deferring. That doesn't mean that the interest isn't still accruing, but I didn't really seem to care about that at the time. And I think things have changed a little bit since then. But Mm -hmm. the disclosures back then, like, didn't really indicate how much, like, it's like, oh, this is your interest rate. But there was no dollar amount associated with that. So Mm -hmm. it really didn't mean anything to me. And that's kind of how I wound up just by chance being able to get a full-time job, which was during the uh, Great Recession. So being able to have a job when all my friends were kind of, you know, scrambling to just get something, you know, minimum wage, I felt a really great opportunity and something that I wanted to make the best out of. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't in a field that I really wanted to be in. It wasn't something I was passionate about, but I kind of, I had a mentor at this company who said to me, like, this doesn't have to be your passion. Like you can use the money that you make here to do your passionate stuff outside of that. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of where I went from there. And I was like, okay, like I'm making enough money that I can kind of where I I wanted more control over my financial life, where I I wasn't like, Oh, I have all this money now, like I can go on more vacations, and I can, you know, go out more and buy more stuff. It was like, how do I use this money to set myself up? So I'm not in a bind again in the future. All right. So then from there, uh, then what happened? Is this where maybe your obsession, if you will, uh, with personal finance began? Or when did that come into play? Yes. So it's kind of funny. And I, and I hear this from my clients all the time where like you start doing the research where you're like, all right, you start with like buying a book, like personal finance for dummies or, and you're like, all right, let me budget. And, and you start doing like a little research here and there. And for the most part, like it's, it's all basically the same, you know, the laws of personal finance are pretty simple. It's like 
do spend less than you earn and try to avoid debt and know what you're paying for and experience over stuff and all that stuff. But Mm -hmm. especially like now with the internet and like all the blogs that are out there where it's like, there's all these creative ways to tackle your debt. And there's these fun words like debt snowball and debt avalanche and the concept of money psychology and, and how to hack the whole system. And I'm a problem solver at heart. So it became this like obsession with finding the best strategy to tackle this problem. And it's kind of like that research, um, that analysis paralysis, mm-hmm. where you just like <laughs> kind of, you're just like, oh, well, maybe I should do this. And no, maybe I should do that. And you kind of just don't take any action because you just don't feel confident enough in anything. And I just kept learning. And I guess at some point, like I wasn't taking action fast enough and I started to take action. And then once I saw results from that, then that's kind of where it snowballed and was like, oh, like I saved this much, like, let's see how much more I can save and how much more I can put towards my debt every month and how low I can get my grocery budget and and that kind of stuff where I was constantly pushing myself harder and harder Mm -hmm. to be better, quote unquote, at managing my money. Right. I wanted to see more of your perspective on this, because when you said personal finance addiction, it caught my attention when you sent me that email. And so some would argue that there's nothing wrong with doing everything possible or, you know, finding other ways to save or taking action on some other measures that you find maybe another creative way to do this or that. So how in your in your view, when was it that you felt that it became an obsession and it wasn't serving you? There were two two parts of that. The first part was that I was I wasn't doing things because they cost money. So like I wouldn't visit my friends in the city because I'm like, oh, I don't want to pay for train fare. And I wouldn't eat out because I was like, oh, it's so much cheaper if I cook it at home. And that's true that it is cheaper and it's and it more fiscally responsible to do that. But I was not enjoying my life. Mm. So like, so I was in my house, like eating my food and I, I'm a good cook. I like, I like my cooking, but like, <laughs> that's a good I'm thing. A, I'm a, <laughs> but I'm alone. Like what quality of life is there with that? And I just kind of thought like when I'm older and, and our, I'm, if I'm sick, I'm you know dying, like, am I going to look back and be like, Oh, look at how much money I've saved. Like, I'm so proud of that. Like, no, like I want quality relationships and I want good memories and, and that stuff. The other part of it was that it was stressing me out that I would Steve, like I had a really good handle on my finances. Like I, I had spreadsheets and apps and binders and, and I, I knew when my bills were due and, and how they were getting paid and that I had money in my checking account to cover it. And everything was very streamlined and safe. Mm-hmm. And I still would think about it constantly where I still would. And I would like wake up in the morning, like, Oh my God, like what's today? Oh, it's the 17th. Okay. What do I have to pay? Like, and I still would feel anxious about my finances. And, and I was like, why, like, why is this happening? Like, why am I doing all this work if I still don't feel good about it? Right. And I love that you bring this up because you bring up the two points that you mentioned one, your quality of life, basically, and then just which, which they both relate to. And then just stressing out the constant thinking of this. Um, and I know for me, I, I definitely relate in terms of your first point because I was at a point where I was such a good saver, but because of my upbringing, it was because there was that scarcity mentality in my household. Mm-hmm. So I was saving, saving, saving so we could have money. Right. Mm-hmm. But then I didn't want to spend it because I didn't want to have a lack of. So mm-hmm. I completely relate to that. So do you think 
that that came from somewhere as you grew up or when you got into college that you had to take the student loans and you, you came out with some debt. What do you think influenced you? I mean, I know when it started, but what do you think influenced this? Well, I think I just had a lot of shame around not being able to afford something. And it was also, it wasn't so much that like, I didn't want to not be able to afford like a luxury vacation. I wanted to, like, I I had health issues. Um, I had ovarian cancer at like 24, 25. Oh my goodness. And I wanted the best quality healthcare. So when it came to paying those medical bills, it never bothered me to, to invest in co-pays and deductibles and better food and, you know, th- that kind of stuff where I wanted like the, the high quality stuff. And I, and I didn't want to have to say no to that stuff. So as much as like I was like super frugal when it came to entertainment and vacations and that kind of stuff, I was not frugal when it came to like food shopping and taking care of myself physically and mentally, you know, investing in good mental health systems and, and that kind of stuff. And I think, you know, that's kind of where like that, that whole scarcity thing where like I had savings to cover those kind of things where I didn't feel like I, it was like, I wouldn't say life or death, but like, where I didn't have to risk being, you know, not, not being able to get good quality medical care because of the cost issue, I guess. Now a quick message from today's sponsor. Today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by Barry Tesler Linden and her year-long money school, The Art of Money, which is now open for registration for a limited time. If you've ever tried to get smarter or more conscious about money, you know it can stir up a lot of emotions. You might feel ashamed that you don't know the best way to tackle your debt, or maybe you're too scared to even peek at your numbers. If you're like a lot of people, money might be the one thing you can't talk to your sweetheart about without getting into a fight. See, money is never just about the numbers. It's also about your emotions, your life story, values, and goals. That's why looking at all of these aspects of money from the practical to the emotional and beyond is so important if you want to make real lasting change in your money relationship. If you love to explore this kind of holistic approach to money with lots of expert and community support, check out The Art of Money, a year-long money school guided by my dear colleague, Barry Tesler Linden. Barry is a financial therapist, mompreneur, author, and featured guest of this podcast. Over the past 15 years, Barry has guided thousands of people into happier, more empowered, and refreshingly honest relationships with money. The culmination of her work is The Art of Money, a year-long global money school. It only starts once a year in January, but it's open now for a short early bird registration period. Learn all about it and get a taste of Barry's work in her free Money Mocha series at barrytesler.com. That is B-A-R-I-T-E-S-S-L-E-R dot com. Or you can find the link in the show notes. 
So when was it that you realized? Okay, so you went through you you had um, you went through some health issues. You also got out of college and had some uh, debt. You got a full time job that at that certain time you were one of the lucky ones, right? Where it was you were able to. So you've been through this journey, and when was it that you said, "Okay, enough is enough. I need to change something. I'm not feeling good about this." Uh, when did this come and what did you do? I had, um, a relapse with the cancer. I don't even know what that's called. It's called a relapse. I I don't know the medical terms. I was kind of like in a fog at the time, but, um, but I, I, it was at that point where I was like, Oh wait, like this isn't actually making me healthier. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and it wasn't even just that, like I was doing something wrong that was making me unhealthy. Mm -hmm. It was that like, I didn't have control over the situation. Like, and no matter how much money I threw at it or how much, you know, time and, and I just, there's certain things like we just don't have control over right. and life could be short or it could be long. Like it, you don't know. And you kind of just have to, I, I felt like I needed to make more of an effort to live presently and not that like, I'm like, Oh, like I could die tomorrow. Like, let me spend all my money, but like, let me do more things that I won't regret that are aligned right. with, with what I want to do do with my life. And right. So you were finding, I don't know if balance is the right word, because sometimes I go back, do I really believe in balance? But I think you were probably maybe, and correct me if I'm wrong, we're trying to find, like you mentioned, some intentionally, but also you were going with your instincts, what felt right for you, which I think is just so, so Before we jump into today's content, keep your ears peeled for a unique reveal I'll be sharing midway through the show. It's something special just for you important in anything. And then, and I know I stress that with my clients is not about what the experts and everybody says, because personal finance is personal. Mm -hmm. You know what, there's great strategies and great advice of what you should do, but they don't know all the details in life. Like for example, you dealt, you know, with cancer and, and twice and, and other people deal with these other things. And it just maybe certain actions of, I don't know whether paying off debt, whatever that is, may not mm-hmm. make sense at that certain moment, even though mm-hmm. in numbers wise they make, but in the overall picture it doesn't. So exactly. um, I think that's I'm, I'm glad that you bring that up. So once you realized, what did you start doing differently? Well, I quit my job. <laughs> so okay. um, it wasn't. I just I had I had set this goal. My my job was getting too stressful, and I think and I was working like really crazy hours, and I had this goal. I'm like, all right, once I pay off my student loans and once I, once I'm debt free and once I have 12 months living expenses and savings, like I'm going to quit my job. And I woke and like one day I was like, you know, doing my spreadsheets and I was like, Oh my God, like I'm here. Like I, mm-hmm. I, I made it. And, and I was like, okay, like, are, are you going to quit now? Like, and I had started the holistic wallet, like a few months before that, where it was kind of, it was just kind of like a project to like learn other skills and and kind of, you know, diversify my income a little bit. And And it was fun. I had fun with it. Like it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like a, I had this brilliant business plan that like I have to, you know, got to do in the world. It was kind of like, all right, we'll see where where, where this takes me. Mm -hmm. So you quit the job, you started your blog, the holistic wallet. And and then what, what transpired from there? Well, I started, you know, I, I invested in things that, had a non-quantifiable return on investment. I changed my budget to kind of 
include more of the fun stuff. And so that was one piece. The other thing was that I actually started to dip into my savings. So like, and, and it's funny cause like I was working with clients at the time and I would say like your savings is money that you're going to spend. Like there's nothing wrong with spending your savings. You're, you're saving it for something. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to spend it on that when, you know, when it's time comes and I wouldn't do that. Like, I'm like, no, I just want to see that number in my, on my bank account. Like I don't want to touch it. And, and for what, you know, and it wasn't like that money was making so much money, you know, sitting in, <laughs> the interest rate is, yeah. is, is so huge these days. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so I'm like, it really isn't like, you know, so I, I started spending my savings and it wasn't like I just spent to spend it. Like, I'm like, Oh, like there's this conference I wanted to go to. Like, I'm going to do that. And, and, mm-hmm this friend I want to visit, I'm going to go there. And, and I tracked my spending, but I wasn't as hoarder. I wasn't mm-hmm. as much of a hoarder with, with mm-hmm. my savings. And, and it's scary. And I still like, it was really uncomfortable for me to, to start spending money out of my savings and to see like, and, cause I would still track my accounts and, and to see like that number go down. And, but I was okay with like, I was like, well, is, you know, in the grand scheme of things, like, is that a thousand dollars less in my savings account, like really going to make a difference in like longevity of my life, you know, like, right. And and I got more and more comfortable with that. And then I'd have good months where I brought in more than I spent and that money would go back to, you know, building my savings back up again. And, and it was just, I got into that like ebb and flow of money in money out money in. And, um, and I didn't live in fear that like, oh my, like I'm going to, if I spend the savings, like I'm never going to be able to put it back. You know, I might not be able to put it back right away, but I will be able to put it back, you know, down the road. And, right. And, and I definitely understand how you feel. Cause I, I, I've been there myself as one that just saved, saved. And I also called myself a hoarder of money. Cause it was just <laughs> very, very difficult for, for me to spend. And then I married a spender. Uh, so that was an interesting transition. And one thing that I know for us that has helped tremendously, especially like I've stopped putting the savings, like, like the what, not long-term savings is, com- is a completely different story. This is save, you know, obviously not a bank, but the short-term mm-hmm. savings or for the emergency funds, anything that you need, I started separating. And once mm-hmm. I started separating, it made a difference. So before I would used to put, used to put the emergency funds in the same savings account, then everything else that like, maybe if we were going to go travel or uh, car maintenance or whatever it may be, I just put it all one lump sum. But once I started separating it it made a difference because instead of feeling oh my gosh I you know I dug into the savings and I felt like defeated because we Mm -hmm. worked so hard to put the money in there there was that purpose behind that savings and well it was for this so it was it was supposed to be spent so for me that has helped dramatically uh, because I completely understand your pain (laughs) (laughs) completely so tell me like how when you work with clients have you found um clients that have been in the same position as you? Do you attract the same type of clients? And how do you work with them to help them move through this uh, to be in a more quote unquote, I don't know if it's the best word, healthier space? Mm-hmm. Well, I think most of my clients, there's, I, I kind of joke about it now, like where they go through the same thing that I went through, where mm-hmm. they start out being like, I'm not paying any attention. I'm completely ignorant to this. And I, and they want to know, you know, they, they want to have control. They want to, they want to be conscious of everything and, and they want to do it in a way that like feels aligned with their, you know, values and stuff where it's not just like the, I don't mean to you know pick on anyone, but like the Dave Ramsey where it's like, mm-hmm. 
just save, 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 save it. And they, they don't want to feel bad about themselves, but they also want some kind of boundaries and, um, you know, limits. And then once they start seeing results, and this is kind of like where we all kind of fall into this rabbit hole of like, once you start seeing results, you're like, oh my God, this is so cool. Like, and you keep doing it mm-hmm. and you keep you know, pushing harder and harder. And then you bounce back where you're kind of like, and I, and I think working with me, I'm there to be like, and they're like, oh, look at this amazing thing I did. And, and I only spent $3 to make this big dinner. And, and I'm like, okay, was it worth the stress of, you know, the, mm-hmm. the, the couponing, the extreme couponing and like a I mean, I haven't had an extreme couponing client. I'm just you know, kind of making up that example, but <laughs> no, I, um, hear you. I hear. You. But like, where like I can kind of reshift them to be like, okay, is this like that's really that's a really cool achievement? But like, how did that make you feel? Like, we know how you felt when you were, you know, overspending and not paying attention. Now that you are paying attention, like, check in with yourself there also, um, and it's okay if you feel good, but make sure that that still is aligned with what you set out to do in the beginning. Cause everyone, you know, wants to comes into it wanting, you know, seeking that balance. Mm-hmm. And it's easy to be like when you, when you are successful at, you know, saving and paying off debt and, you know, to feel, to think that that's what the balance is because you don't feel as stressed about, you know, what bills you have to pay and, um, you know, how you're going to afford certain things, but it's still not, that ideal neutral state of the ebb and flow of money in and out. So right, no, and I can't agree more because I know it's we we have so much information thrown at us and in all sorts finance, health, you know, and mm-hmm. health. You know, health is like you yeah. can't eat this, and then the next yeah. thing, eat it. It's healthy. Then yeah. it's like it's not healthy, and then in finance, personal finance is not as bad, but we still get thrown these messages, and mm-hmm. it's not. And like you mentioned, and I'm, I'm a huge advocate, and that's why I do this podcast. It's not just about you know this the messages of uh, save, save more, spend less, get out of debt. That's all fine mm-hmm. and dandy, but you need to find the joy in your life and what yeah. do, and figure out what that is. Because no matter how, you know, determined, well, I can't, well, maybe I can't speak up for everybody. But in my opinion, no matter how <laughs> determined you are to save more, spend less, get out of debt, you you'll eventually get there. But do it with joy, do it with enjoying the quality of life now versus just being, you know, sacrificing. And yes, you have to sacrifice sometimes. But there there's ways to do it where you can have your cake and eat it too. I, mm-hmm. I've done it, you know, and, yeah. and it's just very important. So I'm glad, so glad that you, you brought this to my attention because it's granted, you know, one of you that's listening to this podcast, you're probably like, Oh, that's me. Yeah. <laughs> and are probably listening to multiple personal finance podcasts. Yep. So I know you're out there. It's all right. I'm not picking on you. I'm just <laughs> letting you know. And so I'm glad you brought this. So what would what would be one thing that you because there's so much I want to talk to you about, but we're running out of time here. So what would be one thing one piece of advice that if someone that's listening to this podcast and is finding themselves in the same shoes, what would be the one piece of advice that would you would uh, give to them uh, to help them start to get out of it, if you will? Well, I think what the one thing that worked for me the best was this works for when you don't pay attention to your money and when you pay too much attention to your money. (laughs) Um, But scheduling a time on your calendar to look at your finances and only doing it then. So if you don't look, you have to look, you know, because it's on your schedule. You have to there's a you have a meeting with yourself. You have to show up. And also, if you over 
look, like this is the time that I have allotted to this and the rest of my time has to be spent living my life or spending time with my family or friends or, or whatever. And, you know, really committing to, to that piece of it, of, of like having a boundary over, like, I can only listen to three podcasts this week or, <laughs> um, or like I can, you know, only do this while driving or, or I can, you know, I, like I have every Sunday morning, I look at my finances and I don't, you know, like I'll track my spending. I'll be conscious of my spending throughout the week, but like, I don't keep checking my bank accounts. Like I just, I know. Trust I know yourself that you exactly. put it into right. action. Absolutely. And, and nothing's, nothing's going to go crazy wrong in a week. Like there's like, there really isn't anything that's going to, you know, you're not going to, even like if, if you get hacked or, you know, there's identity theft and all that stuff, like in a week, like you're, you're not going to, you're still covered to, if you, you know, to catch it in, in that time Absolutely. Well, this has been fantastic. It's been such a pleasure just speaking with you, Michelle. And as you know, this podcast is all about making money simple and taking control of it. So how would you finish this sentence? Her money matters because. Because it does. It does. As simple as that. (laughs) Perfect. Perfect. Well, thanks again, (laughs) Michelle. It's been such a pleasure. And I hope to connect with you soon. Thank you very much. You too. I hope that you've enjoyed this chat and found this topic as fascinating as I did. Now, I'm going to give you my takeaway from this episode. But first, as usual, I want to recognize someone in our community. So La Mencion, or our weekly shout out, goes to Lee for her participation, for her continued interest in bettering her personal finances and her positivity, not just in the group, but in her life. She is one of those that has been living in one of the affected areas from the hurricane. So just her positivity just shows through. And I've really, really appreciated that. And she also recently shared that she met her goal in funding her emergency fund. So a high five to you, Lee, for that. I really congratulate you. I'm ecstatic uh, that you have achieved that. So thank you for being a part of the community and for sharing your goodness in the group. As far as today's takeaway on personal finance addiction, it was about her story. It was about her own awareness on this matter. Even though I know too much. And you know that too much of anything is not a good thing. I would have never included taking care of our money in this picture. So I'm thankful that she has made me aware of this possibility. When you are doing something good, like managing your money, taking care of your money, you don't think to equate it to potentially being a little too extreme in things. It goes to show how much of an impact our mind has on the decisions that we make with money. We can go a little extreme in the frugal department. I know I have. Or making sure we are checking the accounts a lot. And that is not healthy to the extreme. Now, what is an extreme? And what would an extreme be for you? You do your own gut check and you will know. Just be present. You have the intuition and just trust your gut. So being aware of this and 
knowing about personal finance addiction, this is why being aware of our mindset, being aware of what is going in our daily lives and how it is affecting us, being aware of the, our stress levels is so important to be aware of that. And that's why mindset, knowing about our mindset is so critical, especially not even special in all our aspects of our life, not just our finances, but obviously this podcast is about money. So that our mindset is really a huge and critical component of managing our money because our mind has such a big impact on the decisions that we make with money. So we have to take care of ourselves physically and emotionally as well. It also reminded me that I may have the knowledge and experience, but I am still learning along with you. And there's definitely no shame in that because I think once a person decides they know it and they are good to go, it closes them up for the opportunity to grow more. I recently read that change is the end result of true learning. And I strongly feel we always need to be evolving. We need to be growing and that is going to take some change, which is the result, like the quote said, of learning. Now that is a wrap for today. You can find Michelle over, well, she actually has a free ebook about money cleansing, which looks fantastic, which definitely check that out over at moneycleanse.theholisticwallet.com. And I'll have that link in the show notes. You can also learn more about her at theholisticwallet.com. So definitely check that out. And I want to thank Michelle for joining us for being just very vulnerable and sharing her story. And I really, really appreciate it, everything that you shared, Michelle. So I appreciate you being here. Uh, check out the show notes over at jenhempill.com forward slash 118. You can find the links on where to find Michelle over there. Now, don't forget that if you love this episode, I would really appreciate that you shared this podcast with someone you care about. And also, before I forget too, if you have not grabbed my new daily money ritual, you can do that over at jenhemphill.com forward slash ritual. I will definitely have that in the show notes. Why I bring this up, especially in this particular episode of personal finance addiction, is that with this ritual, it will help you increase your confidence and the ease in how you manage your finances. And while you're doing that, if maybe you're, you'll be able to be more aware if you're obsessed and maybe there's some personal finance addiction in there somewhere. So you'll be able to discover this using the tool. Again, that is over at jenhempill.com forward slash ritual. Don't worry, it will be in today's show notes. So hablaremos el próximo jueves and I'll talk to you next Thursday.